This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. We're in difficult times, uh, not only for the way that we're all living, <laughs> stay in place, most of us, many of us around the world, Lee, but also from a business and financial perspective. So we have an expert today. We are so lucky to have him, Jonathan Slane, expert on recessions. It's interesting too, because recessions really expose your managers as to who's a really great manager and who's, a not, who's not. It exposes salespeople as to who, who's a really good salesperson, who's someone who's just fulfilling orders. Same thing goes with customer service or anything like that. That uh, It allows the really great people in your organization to shine and it also exposes the not so great people in your organization. That's right. So welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. We are so glad to have Jonathan Slane here. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm actually the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm actually the President and CEO of SalesFuel. <laughs> That's right. Jonathan Slane, our guest today. So lucky to have him. Recession.com is the website. His book, Rock the Recession, How Successful Leaders Prepare for, Thrive During, and Create Wealth after downturns came out last year number one amazon bestseller and more timely uh, now than ever jonathan is also a coach of high growth leadership teams across the u.s implementing an entrepreneurial operating system he calls traction that sounds pretty good and focuses on working with entrepreneurial niche specialty firms and large corporations about a third of the year working with teams just like yours i do like this we were saying jonathan in your bio valedictorian of his graduating class highest GPA ever in the history of Shaker Heights, Ohio High School, where he was voted the next Bill Gates and least likely to lose his virginity. I don't know what to well, make the, of that, but welcome, Jonathan. Well, the good news is, is that Bill Gates was eventually able to lose his virginity. So. The, the real good news uh, is that we're here to rock today, and I've got two daughters, seven and nine years old. Aww, and so you know that I've, I've proven them. Proving them wrong, at least on one front. <laughs> Hopefully not and the Bill Gates front. <laughs> before we get started, just a note for our audience. So we have recorded in Zoom for three years doing this show, and there are so many people on it now. We've noticed a lot more sort of audio pixelation and dropouts. Um, it's in the show notes, but it's kind of become more of a problem as more people are on these platforms. So expect that that will happen during our discussion. We are, we are aware of it, but uh, you know, don't be shocked if it happens. So anyway, Jonathan, where do you want to start? I want to start with, we have to just jump in because usually uh, when I was starting the book tour, it was how do we prepare for a recession, too thrive late. during, and then build, yep, too late. So, you yeah. know, the coronavirus, um, which we're, we're right in, in the, the heart of it right now while we're recording this, has really put us into uh, what we're calling an L-shaped recession. We have dropped right into it. We haven't eased into it. Uh, it, it's been a really steep drop off. So what is yeah, yeah the number a, one thing you should be doing um, first out of the gate? Yeah, so the, the first thing is to assess where you're at. I mean, this is the thing, as we were doing the research for the book, all the great leaders that really uh, rocked the Great Recession uh, back in 2008, 9, and 10, what they did first was to benchmark their recession readiness. And so 
Um, what we mean by that is that uh, Paul, my co-author, and I, we have a tool on recession.com. It's free. It's 20 questions. You can take it uh, there, and you'll get a score from zero, meaning you're not at all ready for a recession, and all the way up to 100, meaning that you're looking forward to the next recession because of all the opportunities that you'll, you'll be able to take advantage of. But for the audience listening, that's where I would start is benchmark where you're at so you can know versus all the other leaders, uh, business owners, managers out there, how ready are you compared to where they are? I know similar to a lot of things, it's not generally a straight shot down and a linear pr progress back up to good times. It's fits and starts, right? Is that what we should be expecting from a, yeah. from a business yeah, standpoint? I, how do these things go? Audrey, I love that question. I think like the, so uh, you, you might hear on the news, they're throwing around some terms like a U-shaped recession, uh, a V-shaped recession, an L-shaped recession. And simply that's, they're trying to draw a picture of what the, the decline into the recession looks like and then the recovery. So in the Great Recession, we saw more of a U-shaped curve. It took us some time to ease down into the bottom and then it took uh, a good bit of time to ease back up to, to the top um, with the recovery. This recession's different in that we dropped off immediately. It was like uh, literally the world hit pause and we dropped down into the recession. Part of the reason I don't think we're just gonna bounce back from this one is that a lot of the things that we've paused are just lost. So for example, all the, the airline flights that we're not taking right now, uh, it's not like people are going to have pent up demand and then take 20 flights right away as soon as they can fly again. Uh, haircuts, um, you're gonna get one when we can all go get haircuts again, but you're not gonna get five to make up for the ones that you missed. Uh, and the same thing with many services, restaurants, um, same thing, you're not gonna eat out a bunch of times to make up. So, all those things mean that we have this huge um, void in the economy that won't be made up for uh, with pent up demand later on. Some things like people may be delaying going out and buying a new washer dryer right now because they're scared, they're not sure if they can spend, they're not sure what, you know, how much savings they'll need to get through this. And then when the crisis is over, they may feel more confident making one of those purchases. But a lot of our economy is service-based a lot of us are knowledge workers, and so that's where um, I don't think it's going to be a quick recovery. So the L-shaped uh, recession doesn't really account for what the recovery will look like. So since this is, since you believe this is an L-shape, then you know, what do you think the recovery looks like when it happens, and when do you think it'll happen? Yeah. So I think we we drop down into it quickly, and then um, slowly over time, we're going to eke our way back to a new normal. I think a lot of what's going to happen, though, Lee, is that this is going to change a lot of how people work. Y'all were mentioning at the top of the show, like now that everybody in the world is on Zoom, uh, the, the fidelity of Zoom has taken a hit. I think people, though, are going to get better and better at Zoom. Um, internet will catch back up. But I think a lot of work will start to move virtually, um, and that's going to change massively how the economy uh reacts and what it looks like. But I think we're looking at a long, um, hard slog to get back to even. So I think we're talking uh, six months to a year before we're getting to that new normal. So I know that some people listening, again, may be rolling their eyes. They may disagree with me about the depth of this. I'm just looking at uh, the numbers uh, for the virus, how many we're going to have, and then also looking at unemployment skyrocketing right now, uh, as well as the fact that we won't officially even be in a recession until after June when uh, our government releases the numbers for how we've done over the second quarter. So it's going to take a, a while for it to even sink in for, for most people, I'm, I'm guessing. 
to see it on CNN, to see it on Fox News or wherever you get your news um, that, that we're in the recession. After you do the benchmark, though, the thing I wanted to talk about is that the next step would be developing an emergency break. And that emergency break is really for you um, in your business, with your team, or even personally. Like, what are the tiers of your plan um, depending on what you see happen to your income uh, personally or your revenue if you're in a business or the revenue of your division? In other words, if you're used to at your business, it's a million dollar business, and all of a sudden you see that business decline to 900,000, what would be the expenses you would cut? What would be the people that you would look to, to lay off if need be in order to make sure that you can keep breaking even? And that applies for an entire company or just a division, if you're a leader of a division. It also applies to your, to your personal life. So for me, my wife and I, we have a life plan we know that if we saw our income drop to 90%, this is what we would cut and in what order. 80%, 70%, if we draw our income drop to 50%, we've talked through all that in the cool, rational light of day right now, instead of when things get emotional and we have to actually enact those cuts, uh, because we know that uh, then we'll be making emotional decisions that will not be as good mm -hmm. as, as what we've got now. That's great advice. I actually come live with you guys. Look, we made a plan, my husband and I, but it wasn't in reverse order cutting. It was looking forward to the future, but it's great that you have that in place. Um, I, we, we, we have both sides of it, Audrey. So I love yeah. that, that thought. It's just, you know, the, the tough part, I think, for all of us is if you have to make cuts, um, you want to be able to execute. You don't want to have to go through the emotion of thinking about it and then executing immediately. So uh, I think that's where just having that written plan that you can pivot to would be so powerful. What's your advice as far as making selections or making cuts? Well, so uh, I would do a four-tiered plan, uh, Lee, where you've got four different levels, and then you take a look at your income statement. If you're a business, then you're going to just look at each line item. So you've got a line item for the costs for cleaning in the business. You've got a line item for um, what we paid to our consultants, our professionals. You've got a line item for vehicle expense, uniforms. So, you know, you have to figure out, does this thing get cut in tier one, tier two, tier three, or tier four? Am I going to reduce it a certain amount, a certain percentage, or cut it completely? Maybe at tier one, you cut it 10%, at tier two, 25%, and at tier three, it goes away completely. I think every um, leader needs to make those decisions. Uh, at tier three, that's where I would recommend you get into layoffs. And I know already since um, all I've been doing is being, I've been on the phone with companies all over the world um, since uh, th this all went down. But the, the thoughts are that at tier three, which many companies have already jumped to, this is where we're going to be laying people off. And really the thought there, what we've seen from the research from the Great uh, Recession is to cut once and cut deep if at all possible, as opposed to every Friday letting go of two more people, mm -hmm. uh, very quickly the culture erodes. And then it's like just every Friday, everybody's hiding uh, under their desks or hiding, I guess, uh, now behind their microphone at home, um, hoping that they're not, not the next ones to get cut. So if possible, cut once, cut deep. And then at tier four, the remaining people in the business uh, are going to be the ones that are taking pay cuts. And what I'm recommending is 100% for the owners of the business. Uh, 25 to 50% for senior management and 10 to 25% for everybody else in the company. 
And that, the, again, those are just a starting point. I think every company has to make a decision what's right for them. But I do think that we need to figure out a way to protect the golden goose to keep the company marginally profitable. And then we can move forward. How do you define the tiers? Is it by 10%? So the tier three would be in, down to 80% of revenue, prior revenue, or how are the tiers divided? Like, how do I know I'm at tier three? Yep. So what I would say is that um, I was using revenue as a convenient example because oh, okay. it, it, it transcends all businesses. But for, uh, it's for each leader to think through what is that number in your gut that gets you to change your behavior? And so it might be revenue, it might be profit, it might be margin. It might be the number of leads that you see come through on your website, right? So if you're a business and you're like, look, I know um, in my business, if I get 12 leads a week, I'm doing pretty good. If I only saw 10 leads come through, that would make me nervous. If I saw six leads in a week, then I'm doing something. I'm, I'm starting to, to dig into it to see what's going on. So I don't want everybody to think it has to be revenue driven. It's whatever metric in your mind changes mm -hmm. your behavior. And so I was talking to a, a plumbing company and they go by the number of plumbers. They've got 80 union plumbers um, that they keep busy um, right now. They said, if we ever saw our need drop to 70, then you know that's our first tier. At 60, that's another tier. At 40, that's another tier. And if we're ever below 40, then that's a real issue for us given uh, the volume of work that we expect to be doing. So for each business owner leader, you need to figure out which key performance indicator, which metric drives your behavior. And that's what I would use to set your tiers. How do you know, I mean, what's a good signal then that it's time for you to enact your recovery plan? Yeah, so I think um, if we're pivoting to recovery, um, which is really when the economy starts to strengthen and we're recovering, now um, it's time to take advantage of some opportunity. So I really, and that's why we wrote the book and we called it Rock the Recession, is that we're more excited about uh, the opportunities that come in a recession than we are about regurgitating kind of the conventional wisdom about cutting um, employees and cutting expenses. So Lee, what I mean by that is really recessions are a great time to think about what skills can you learn such that you'll be able to rock the recovery. So maybe it's that you know you wanted to go virtual because you could reach a larger audience. Now would be a great time to become an expert in how to use Zoom. If it's that you know if you knew Spanish, you could unlock a huge portion of the market because there's a lot of potential Spanish-speaking clientele that you haven't been able to tap into. Then now is a great time to download Duolingo and start to practice your Spanish. So new skills is one idea. The other thought to rock the recovery is what assets do you want to buy? So what are the assets um, like, uh, you know, say you're in a business uh, that, that requires machinery. You've always wanted to start a distillery. Uh, those, those distil the, the equipment, the tanks are expensive, but there are going to be plenty of distilleries that go out of business during this recession. You need to have conversations with your banker letting them know that you would love to buy that kind of equipment from them if they did um, have that kind of equipment become available. So if the bank does repossess tanks and you want to start your distillery, that could be great for you and your opportunity as an entrepreneur because you can get all of that equipment for really cheap as opposed to having to buy it brand new uh, when the economy is booming. And so, but right now, um, before we're in the recession, 
is the time to start having those conversations to put your banker on notice so that you can have those opportunities. That's interesting. We got a few minutes left, Jonathan. One question I have, I'm the news junkie for our our company and I monitor all day just to keep an eye on things. And I've seen that there, what's your opinion on furloughing versus layoff? Because I know that the stimulus allegedly has some incentives to furlough and not lay off so that you can recover more quickly and be more viable more quickly when we come out the other side. Yeah, so I I have a hard time believing that the final CARES Act uh, will uh, completely penalize business owners that maybe laid people off already or that Mm -hmm. laid people off instead of furlough. So I do think in the end, it may be that you get a percentage of however many people were working for you. So if you want to be conservative and furlough people instead of laying them off, I think that's perfectly fine. At the same time, though, I'm one to conserve capital. Right now, uh, if you're listening to us, um, and it's about hoarding cash. I don't ever trust the government to be able to save or rescue me or my business or the company. I think that we all need to assume that it's going to take a long time for all of these loans to get approved. There will be a crush of applications. Everybody is going to want uh, to apply for, and they should, uh, the SBA programs, the relief. Uh, And at the same time, I don't think we should um, keep people on the payroll um, just because we're hopeful that in the future um, we'll be able to participate in the bailout. So I guess that for me is I would err on the side of um, not paying the payroll if possible. Uh, If you want to call it a furlough instead of a layoff, I'm fine with that. There's a point where unemployment becomes a more compassionate play for your employees than keeping them on the payroll Mm -hmm. under conditions Mm -hmm. such as that, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that's where um, if you have employees that make um, uh, 30000 40000 a year, you can't go to them and say, hey, we're enacting an across the board pay cut of 50% and we expect you to participate. For those, it's a better play to go do unemployment um, or, or to do something else. So I do think as leaders too, we have to be compassionate about there's, um, there's what's best for the business, there's what's best for the employees. And I think for all of us, it's having honest conversations. I think that's what people really crave in these uncertain times, is that we don't um, leave a void. We don't have a vacuum of communication. If you're not sure, just tell your people that. It's okay to communicate with them every day and let them know that you're not sure. What you don't wanna do, I don't think, is let it go three or four days without saying something, even Mm -hmm. if it's to tell them, hey, you know, I know I don't have a better answer for you today than I did yesterday, but just want you to know that still here, still trying to figure it out. Hope that you'll show us some grace um, given um, the the craziness of the situation. Fantastic information. Yeah, Audrey mentioned traction at the beginning of the show, and that doesn't sound like a lot of fun either because that's something my dad went through when he had a bad back. But I'm sure you're probably talking about the kind of traction, though, that that helps you uh, get, get, you know, unstuck out of the mud, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. The idea there is that I work with uh, companies that want to grow, that want to take it to the next level. And uh, I I meet with them once a quarter to provide um, traction to make sure that we hold them accountable for accomplishing the goals that they agree to. And then the benefit is since I work with so many different companies, I can bring perspective. You know, I, Dave Rendell said once, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think for me, it's just being able to help provide that outside perspective and, and sometimes that kick in the butt to get people uh, out from being stuck in the mud, like you said. 
Well, we'll see how this all unfolds. Recession.com is Jonathan's website and on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Rock the Recession. Great information, Jonathan. We're so privileged to have you on the show to help everybody out. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Audrey. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.